0: Welcome back to The Stab Cusp. I am Stace Galbraith, and on this special edition of the show, in the red corner, we have my host, Mikey Ciaramella, the shirtless surf critic. And in the blue corner, we have Adrian Ace-Buckin, two-time event winner over Kelly Slater, former surfers rep, one of the most well-respected veterans
1: on tour. Boys, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Uh, it's my pen pal, Mikey C. I had a feeling you introduced it as a kind of presidential-style surf debate. Oh, um, I
0: fucked it up, actually. So I was supposed to introduce myself blue. as
1: Herb Dean. I'm the Herb Dean. Yeah, thanks for putting me in the blue corner. I'm, I'm in the right <laughs> spot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if anyone's not up to speed, um, there was a certain article that uh, Mikey C wrote about a week ago on StabMag.com that raised a few, you know, questions around what it what it means to be a surf journalist and and what it all also means to be um you know a professional surfer in the limelight in this in this day and age and um you know Mikey and I both thought Ace had some um some really relevant points as some feedback to Mikey on that um Mikey did you want to give us a bit more of a rundown about um your
2: angle yeah well um basically you know they had the contest at Cabarita Yeah, it was basically a really slimmed down event, obviously, because only surfers within Australia could compete and um, Actually only surfers within certain states of Australia could compete. So they basically took 12 men and 12 women and gave them a little playful chest high beach break for a couple days and uh, Yeah, basically what it came down to was I thought that that format was really, really good and that even though the surf was subpar the contest was watchable because you knew that it was gonna be punchy the whole time. You were gonna get matchups that you generally cared about. And uh, so I think if they applied that, that kind of 12 man, 12 woman format to spots that we actually care about around the world, it could be really, really impactful. But of course that would mean culling a large portion of the tour. Um, so for the women, you'd be losing a third of the current tour and for the men you'd be losing two thirds of the current tour, which is like, huge, you know, these are people's jobs and livelihoods. So I understand how it would be like really hard to accept that if that was you. But ultimately, if we want professional competitive surfing to continue, I think there needs to be a way that we make it more interesting and entertaining and financially viable. And I think that cutting the tour is the only good way that I can think of doing that. And basically, i got to the point where you know all the surfers in this event were really stoked to be there but you know there are certain surfers in this event who if it was open to a global scale wouldn't be involved and then they probably wouldn't be so hyped about it and i brought ace into that equation um and you know ace ace hit back with a little uh, shot on the uh, instagram story calling me out and i thought that's fair game and Ace and I actually had a good conversation about it in the DMs. Um, I didn't want to make it this big Instagram thing or whatever, so I just thought it was better to go to him directly. But, yeah, I think it would be really cool to talk to Ace about it, you know, face-to-face or as well as we can do in uh, kind of the modern climate. So uh, here we are.
0: Yeah, well, thanks (laughs) for coming on, Ace. And, you know, long story short, you're calling Ace out saying he's not making it. Ace, take the floor, mate. Give us your pitch. Are you making the cut?
1: Oh, where do I start, boys? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, I think philosophically, the debate around, um, you know, whether or not the tour should be reduced is is a really kind of um, exciting one, and we should, you know, absolutely dive into that because I think you know there's there's some kind of stronger strong arguments either side. Um, you know, and I don't doubt that that's a really kind of valuable debate to have. I think my kind of issue was less so with, with that, um, you know, as, as kind of something that I think a lot of people are talking about more so just, you know, I, I said to Mikey, I said, look, you know, you've got this platform um, and, you know, I think along with that platform, you know, first comes the kind of need to be a respectful you know, and then be constructive, um, you know, as opposed to kind of, you know, I guess taking pot shots at people um, that don't really kind of serve to be that informative to anyone. Um, You know, I think at the end of the day, you're kind of commenting on a surf competition, you know, which is much, much more than the simple kind of art of riding legs and, and that's why, you know, people who, maybe aren't the superstars of say, you know, a Gabe or a John or, or Steph or Twyla um, are able to kind of, you know, thrive at that level because competitive surfing is you guys, you know, both know, I know you both, um, you know, tried your hand as competitors as juniors. Um, and that, you know, I think that's what makes it so interesting is that you've kind of got all these different, um, genres of surfing that are allowed to you know be at the top level and there's so many different ways to kind of skin a cat in terms of how you can win a heat um yeah so I guess I was kind of more coming from from it uh, at that angle and you know I obviously I said to Mikey as well I think um you know you you underestimate maybe the the impact that a you've got um, as a journalist and be the impact that that can have on someone young. Um, you know, I won't mention, he mentioned someone else in there. Um, and I said, look, personally, you can say whatever you want about me. You know, I'm kind of trying to control a running right here with three kids. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of and of what you guys do. Um, I think you know, absolutely journalists need to have that um, freedom to speak their mind and, you know, we live luckily in a world where, you know, we've got freedom of speech, which is awesome. Um, so I'm not in any way trying to, you know, gag what what you guys should or shouldn't say, but, um, yeah, I just think there's just an element of respect and, and being constructive that, that should be in there too and, um, yeah, I guess, you know, i I hear a lot as a senior surfer on tour, you know you hear a lot of people's gripes, and when I was a surfer's rep, they definitely would come to me with with gripes um and I think in the end as a as a platform, it potentially comes back to kind of bite you guys a little bit you know in the backside because I do see a lot of surfers reluctant to engage um with stab at times because they don't know how they're going to be portrayed, which is a bummer because. I think that you know it doesn't help help you guys, all the surfers, you know, and I think um, you know you guys know <clears throat> I think how hard it is to a make the tour and then b to stay there, so I think anyone that is there kind of just deserves that respect and to be able to you know know that they're going to be i guess you know portrayed in a fair manner
0: yeah for sure it's um it, it raises an interesting point like from from my perspective. Because all I've ever dealt with in in surfing is since I've been around at the, the the top level is is the growth. Like all everyone talks about is growth, and so I think to have growth, you need to have healthy conversation. But there's such a balance between, um, you know, just making a comment that's kind of throwaway versus like some constructive sort of pieces that are thought provoking. Because I definitely think that um, overall surfing could probably have more of of the latter. Um, I don't think there's enough critical writing out there about surfing because I, I feel like we're sure. it's such a small, friendly environment. Everyone's a bit scared to sort of stand on each other's toes, which I understand that. Um, I'm, I'm super respectful of that. And, but I think if we all do want it to grow, which I think that's most people's desire, is, um, yeah, just whether it be good, bad or ugly to have conversation around surfing um, is going to be helpful. But, yeah, Mikey, I definitely find from time to time you're probably a little short with your, uh, your, uh, constru- your constructive criticism. Um, do you think that comes from, from a, a good place or are you sometimes looking at these comps bitter or angry or w- what do you think it is?
2: Oh, it never comes from, like, any sort of personal malice toward the surfer or the WSL or whatever. It's In my eyes, it is simply stating a fact as I see it or it's, I guess it's an opinion, but it's, it's, yeah, it's surfing as I see it. Like I'm sitting there, you know, throughout a normal CT event, I'm sitting there for five days, you know, over a 10 or 12 day period or whatever, and watching everything that goes down. And that means, you know, seven hours a day or whatever. And a lot of it is either boring or like, I guess, no, not, not much of it's bad. Like all the surfing is pretty good, but like it just gets boring and redundant that when either something really impressive happens, you're forced to take note. And when something that stands out to you as exceptionally bad or strange stands out, it's important to take note. Um, so for me, yeah, it's just basically like, I'm seeing something, it's interesting to me in one way or another, Connects some idea in my mind that I feel like is worth sharing. And I write it down, I guess, without, you know, maybe as much consideration for other people's feelings as I should have sometimes. Um, But also to your point, Stace, like, I do think surfing is a smaller world than other sports. And for that reason, it feels like reporters have, you know, less license to say what they actually feel because there's a chance that they're going to run into that surfer two weeks down the line in Hawaii or wherever it is. And yeah it's just it feels like a really closed and tight-knit community which is really nice in some respects but it makes it hard to be a critical analyst in my opinion
1: yeah I think you're I think you're right there and I think you know surfing's a young sport so i mean i I, I consider myself a sports junkie and I watch pretty much everything from cricket to English Premier League to obviously all the different forms of rugby here in australia and yeah, I mean, a lot of my, you know, favourite players, if they have a bad game, you know, they, they get called out. And, um, you know, I think that's an area that surfing kind of needs to evolve and people need to kind of take ownership of that. I think it's part of the territory of, you know, doing what we do. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's tricky because, you know, we all kind of inhabit this, this little sphere um, but I think if you do it in the right way, um, you know, it, it, it can be a place where we can all coexist. I mean, when I first came on tour it was like, I think right around the time when, um, Lewis Samuels was doing his power rankings, um, yeah. back in the, and I mean, I used to love, I mean, there was, there was a bunch of different ones going around and I used to really enjoy reading them um for for the most part I thought they were kind of informative and and kind of constructive but I think at times it kind of disintegrated into maybe having a go at certain people and um I remember one afternoon I think it was after the Mandaka event we were sitting around having some beers and um Lewis kind of like joined the circle and um Johnny Gannon, Taj's trainer, walked over to him and just said beat it mate you know you you can't kind of sit on your keyboard and criticise all the, all the guys and, and girls and then kind of expect to come and sit here and, you know, shoot the breeze with us and have a beer after the event, um, which, you know, I guess there was part of that that was true. Like, I think, you know, Lewis is a pretty intelligent guy, but I think it sometimes, you know, he sometimes, you know, didn't really use that intelligence um, you know in the best way with his articles um, so it's tricky it, It's I wouldn't want to be in your guy's shoes um, but um, yeah I think I, I think um, for the most part you know a lot of the surfers enjoy reading the, the kind of critique and um, you know I know that um, you know yeah I think at the end of the day where you know, humans that have insecurities and and frailties just like everyone else. And, um, you know, I think maybe there's this kind of um, insinuation that we've got a higher opinion of ourselves than we actually do, which which isn't the case. You know, I think we all have our own story. We all have our own struggles. And, um, yeah, that's just the way it is.
2: Yeah. Well, and, like, I mean, to go even a little bit deeper into this, it's – even beyond the personal like struggle of being, I think in like Lewis's position or my position is the actual impact that has on STAB as a business. Like you mentioned before that some surfers have been tentative about interacting with us because they weren't sure about you know something that we said before or something we might say in the future. And basically like I end up causing STAB not just like annoyance but like actually money because we have deals in place with like whether it's a brand or a surfer or whatever that end up getting thrown away because i wrote something negative about that surfer or whatever and like the fucking people on the commerce side of stab are always like basically like you know why are we letting him say these things blah 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 and it's because we try to sit On both sides like we're trying to be a media house that produces content that you know utilizes the biggest names in surfing and then we also are trying to be a publishing house that is reporting on surfing in a way that is actually engaging to readers which if you want to engage readers in my opinion you need to be critical if you're just basically fluffing everything up and making it sound you know, like roses and dandelions. Nobody wants to read that. People want to read stuff that feels real. And for whatever reason, I think criticism is the thing that people most understand as real. Yeah, for sure.
1: And I, and I would say maybe from the, you, from the surfers point of view, you know, um, and, and potentially some of the brands as well, it seems as though at times, you know, Stab plays a role of being the authority on, you know, let's call it performance surfing. And if you kind of maybe look at some of the language around um, the people who are at the pinnacle of that, like John John, you know, I know you guys call him the Messiah and um, maybe Dane and um, whoever in that period of time is maybe at the pinnacle, I think is very much put on a pedestal and anyone who doesn't fit in that kind of um, box or match that criteria that you guys have, is kind of potentially, like, cut down, you know, um, as opposed to, like, you know, being celebrated for whatever they're, like, let's say, you know, use Michelle and it's as an example, um, you know, as someone who isn't necessarily, you know, at the kind of vanguard of high-performance surfing but who's had a really long career and I think, you know, has a really kind of exciting brand of surfing you know unto himself that inspires you know probably potentially people more so who are, who are um you know everyday surfers because they can relate to it more so than maybe what John or Gay does um so yeah I mean it's tricky it's it, it, I absolutely agree with the need for you guys to be critical I think maybe at times um just the kind of sensationalism like i I don't know. I kind of laughed when you guys did your last podcast, and I think the headline was something around, um, you know, to uh, Mikey chastised by to a veteran. Um, <laughs> um, you know, when in fact the podcast, and I and I listened to it afterwards, and you know, enjoyed it. I think the guts of the podcast was more around, you know, Ethan's incredible performance, and um, you know, Tyler. A, her statement, and B, the surfing that she followed that up with, which to me were kind of both potentially career-defining performances, you know, from from Ethan and Tyler in terms of where they're at in their career, um, you know, and where it could take them in the next kind of 12 to 18 months. But for whatever reason, our little, you know, social media tiff was um, deemed kind of more appropriate as a headline which you know i, I think it kind of just it, it it plays into that kind of clickbait tabloid kind of um you, you know way of presenting things um so i think sometimes people just get frustrated with that
2: yeah i totally understand that and i'm fully guilty of uh clickbaiting 100 you know i mean at the end of the day my job i feel is to like to to some degree i probably don't do a great job of it but to entertain people and inform them at least of what's going on in the surfing world that we find relevant i, I just wanted to
0: go back uh on something that i thought was pretty pretty juicy and, and that's um when you know you do cross paths with someone that has written something about you in the flesh um I mean, my personal theory on that is uh, if you want to read the good media about you, you've got to be prepared to read the bad. And I think I took that out of like a Kevin Sheedy handbook, an AFL coach out here in Australia. Like, I think maybe some people need to have that attitude too. But I do love it when you get a situation like um, Jeremy Flores and um, I've forgotten his name, Ben Mondi. Ben Mondi wrote yeah. something about Jeremy Flores, how, told him how to ride a barrel or something. Well, told him how to do anything is a bad idea because Jeremy's probably in that Michelle Barrez class, you know, like pretty, not that spoken about, but an incredible talent. And um, next week, he gets him in a post-it interview in QS and Jeremy just tears him apart. <laughs> it's
2: so
0: good. I just wanted to know, boys, if, oh, there's, if there's, bro, there's any bro, other stories
1: bro. like that that you have. Oh, um. Uh, not that's not that spring to mind um, but yeah I mean uh, like you mentioned there's still things that we talk about <laughs> um, so it goes both ways I mean you know the the surfers at the end of the day or any professional athletes gonna kind of have a platform to you know have a right response in one kind of way or another um, yeah I mean I think I think at the heart of where, you know, you were going, Mikey, with the whole debate around, you know, where the tour goes and, you know, should it be a reduced tour? I think, I think that's pretty interesting and, you know, I'd love to kind of hear more about what your thoughts are on that. I think, you know, I definitely, you know, over my time on tour, I have kind of, um, you know, my kind of own opinion on that. Um, and I thought that would be kind of something cool to, kind of dig into a little more
2: yeah well my thoughts on that are really simple i think that surf contests last too long for people to kind of retain interest in them and i think that them lasting too long also means that you don't necessarily get the best waves or you don't get the best waves in the portion of the event that matters most yeah so to me you could basically fix both of those issues by cutting the tour down um and then you get the added bonus of not really having any slow heats like every heat is one that you want to watch if you have only the top 12 guys in the world
1: yeah yeah i mean i think in a in a simplified world there's definitely a way where that could exist um i mean i guess it depends what kind of filter you're you're looking at it through really um you know what's interesting to you um might not be as interesting to the next guy and um I mean, my worry is in a reduced tour, at what point does that reduced tour become an exhibition tour or, you know, like a Harlem Globetrotter style you know, circus that just goes around the world? Um, you know, I think there's a responsibility, if it is going to be called a tour, that it is really a career path for people. I think if you slim it down too much, just kind of looking at the countries kind of at the pointy end, it's really... You know, Australia, Brazil, America, um, and I—I I wouldn't personally like to see a tour that just has, um, you know, the surfers overwhelmingly coming from only three different countries. Um, I mean, I think if you look at the surfers who kind of inhabit that kind of periphery or like cusp, you know, of um, the tour, it's like a lot of those emerging nations where you know, I think those surfers bring along really big um, fan networks, whether it's like someone like Frederico morai who, you know, represents Portugal and has been on and off tour. Um, Kanoa probably to a lesser extent, you know, he grew up in the States and represents Japan, but obviously brings that Japanese um, kind of fan along with him. Um, I mean, there's, there's loads of surfers, I think, who are probably just outside that cut line that come from, you know, smaller countries. Um, For sure. I've spent some know, time with, like, Mikey Feb and Ricardo Christie, and the fanship that they've
0: had at events um, outweighs someone like, I mean, you outweighs the Aussies. You, you don't see Aussie flags down the shoreline with wet socks, but, like, Rick had a couple of Kiwis at every event. They didn't have numbers, but the
1: passion was like, it was crazy. And if like yeah, Carlos think,
0: Munoz qualified,
1: oh my God. Yeah, exactly. And I think what you get with um, a little bit of a, a, a larger tour, or at least where we're at now, is the ability to kind of inject um, wild cards and interest, you know, with someone like Mikey Feb, or, you know, look at what say Jack did in, Margaret's last year, or Dane, you know, Mick potentially coming back for an event here here or there. I think when you kind of start to get down to less than where we're at now, the opportunities to do that are really slim. Um, And yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, I, I know the surfers on tour don't want to be just going to places for two days. The towns definitely want us there for longer than a few days. You know, they are surf towns that rely on you know, two to three weeks of excitement and, and kind of cash injection for them to survive. And I know,
2: but what what about the WSL's financial viability? Like they've been running at a loss for, we don't even know how long exactly. And it seems like slimming down the tour would mean that they could slim down every single part of their operation. And in my opinion, could potentially allow them to do some sort of pay-per-view plan for the year which I don't think they've been able to justify before because the events are so expansive and, and all that. But if they could say, we're gonna to go to these eight spots and we're gonna wait for the best two days of the year and blah, 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 and you charge people $100 a year or $10 an event or whatever. Like to me, it, it solves kind of a lot of problems at the same time. I do understand the fact that mitigating kind of the number of surfers that could come from outlier countries is a bit of an issue. Um, but I don't know if it's a big enough issue to justify basically what has been bad business from the WSL that will not be able to go on forever. To me, it's like this is like a do or die sort of thing for the WSL.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't disagree. I think a lot of people are asking why, you know, some sort of paywall hasn't been put up. And, and I mean, maybe there's a place where, you know, there could be a pay per view from, say, the quarterfinals. Onwards, you know. Um yeah, I don't I don't know exactly the numbers behind the tour. Obviously, you know, especially with COVID this year, it came at a bad time. I think, you know, there's been a lot of money invested into the tour for um, you know, not the return that I guess they would have loved to have seen. Um yeah, so I, I don't know, I think oftentimes for me as a surfer, the format um is maybe kind of like taking the brunt of the blame for that lack of monetization. And I don't a hundred percent agree with that. Um, but I think, you know, there's, theref- there's a few different opinions ar- around, you know, around that issue itself.
2: But wouldn't, I mean, to be fair, wouldn't you have like the, the biggest conflict of interest? Like, first of all, you were the surfers rep prior to this year or whatever, which means that, it is literally your duty to protect the surfer's best interest. And obviously a tour cut would be the biggest thing against that. And now, you know, and like we said before, I think between like, if say they were to cut the tour to 12. And in the last nine years, you've sat between 14 and 19. So like statistically speaking, you wouldn't fit into that picture. So I guess my question is like, should we really take what, the surfers on the back half of the tour are saying on this topic as seriously because they're basically it feels like they're trying to protect their own job which is a natural reaction something we would all do in the position but doesn't mean that it's best for everybody
1: um yeah no you, you shouldn't but I will say that you know obviously this year there was a lot of discussion between the surfers and the WSL and there was a lot of solidarity between surfers from the very very top and I'm talking like Italo, you know, Kelly, Julian, Gabe, Owen, like down to guys that have just qualified in terms of you know where they stood on that kind of issue. And yeah, you are right, like I think, you know, as the surfers representative, you are, you know, kind of representing the kind of you know opinions of all the guys below you. And then not just the surfers on tour, but I think also there's a responsibility, you know, to make sure that the tour is a viable career path for the next generation, you know, coming and I just don't really see that if you kind of cut it down to 12 surfers, um, that that's something that people can strive for. You know, I think you're just really encouraging people to either become free surfers or, or choose a different career, which I think would be a big shame.
2: Do you think people would actually stop trying to chase or pushing their kids to try to chase being a pro surfer if the tour was, like, less of a viable option?
1: I mean the tour. When you look at pretty much every other professional sport out there, and you you compare it to the tour, the 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 WSLs pretty pretty much the smallest there is in terms of the number of participants. Um, you know, like maybe golf and tennis are the closest, and there's I think in a major 124 players start, so it's much much bigger and. You know, I'm, I think tennis major takes a week to play golf the better part of a week. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't doubt the validity of all the things that, you know, we've discussed. And it's it's a tricky situation for sure. Um, I personally feel like there's a world where the kind of slim down field um, is able to be like a compliment to what we've already got. Um, to having a legitimate tour, you know, I think. Golf does it pretty well. They have um, the FedEx Cup at the end of the year where the best players, you know, play each other and um, tournament to tournament, that kind of gets slimmed down to the point where you've got, like, a handful of the best players kind of playing for that title. Tennis does the Masters Series. Um, you know, and I think the tour is kind of going that way with the, the playoffs, um, which is going to be exciting. It's going to be something different. Um Obviously, there's a lot of kind of questions right now around how that's going to happen just with the world we're living in and the environment of things. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the next 12 months looks like.
0: I I think you can combine both. I just think the the tour needs to up its flexibility. And if they can do that, then it's absolutely fine. Like, you have an event like Bells Beach last year. They ran round one and two in the first couple of days and there was seven days off and then finished 80% of the event in two days. So it's yeah. not like you really have to cull the tour at all. You just, if there's a chance for the sport to be a little more flexible, and I know that's extremely hard logistically with local governments and, and stuff like that, but at the moment to run a, a men and women's CT, you need kind of four full days, like with the overlapping heats, five if you don't overlap heats. You can you can squeeze out a swell in that, you know?
1: Yeah, I think the idea of like always being able to kind of run your event in one swell window is pretty idealistic. You know, I hear that kind of thrown around a lot when you talk about this kind of, or have this debate. And I mean, the reality is you go to somewhere like Europe and you're dealing with six metre tides and you start three hours later, you have to stop because it's literally not contestable. And then you're waiting, you know, eight hours for the tide to go out. And in two days if the tides aren't in your favour, you've sat there for probably, you know, seven or eight hours on each day and haven't been able to run. So you're waiting for the next swell anyway. Um, it's, it's not a kind of one size fits all um, format. I think that, you know, works everywhere. And I think using the overlapping definitely was something I think that worked really well in the last two years. Um, and like I said, I think it just takes a little bit of flexibility Um, if there's going to be five days of pumping waves, I mean, as a surf fan, for me now as someone who's been on tour long enough to be able to sit back and appreciate good surfing from my competitors as opposed to kind of feel threatened by it, I, I love it. I love watching the best guys and girls surf in great ways.
2: And Ace, I guess seeing that you've been in that like middle of the pack group for the past eight or nine years, What is your goal when you go into like a year of competitive surfing now? Is it to like basically maintain that level and make it over to the next year? Are you going for top 10 or like what's your mindset like going into a season? I think for anyone when you when you kind of like embark on a new tour
1: year obviously you know you mentioned do do you just want to stay there? Obviously I think yeah you want to stay there. I think that's everyone's goal and um, I
2: don't think that's Italo's goal or Felipe's goal. No, no, no. I, I, I mean,
1: <laughs> when, when I say everyone's goal, I think that that's like the baseline. Like you want to be, be there next year. Of course, like when you're looking at Italo and Gabe and those guys, they're like, I want to be world champion. Um, is that my goal every year I go on tour? Like realistically, like probably not. Um, although there have been, you know, situations where I've injected myself like, into a mathematical you know situation where you know I'm going to you know say lowers and I'm you know in the top five um and you know there's events that that I've done well at like yeah that, that's a possibility I think um you know each surfer kind of sets different goals and if everyone said they started the year with the same goal that's probably not the truth um you know personally I think I was saying like just trying to do your best surfing each year for me that's probably been more of the goal to like to do my best surfing and walk away from the year going have I improved like have I done my best surfing and then tried to kind of couple that with being a really good competitor because at the end of the day you know you you can have a year where you surf really well but you compete poorly and you've got nothing to
2: show for it so in a year where you do your best surfing Where do you think you'd end up, you know, in relation to the tour? Is that like top five, top 10? I think the ratings don't really lie, to be
1: honest with you. I think um, I've probably finished like roundabouts where my like surfing kind of ability sits, you know, in relation to the other surfers. Um, I think the, the one thing that makes the tour pretty interesting is that, talent only tells part of the story. Um, I mean, I know my record against guys, I guess who you'd say are kind of perennial top five guys like Mick and Gabe. My record against them is probably better than it is against guys in the back 15, you know, Um, for whatever reason, you know, I feel like maybe when the pressure's on, I'd do my best surfing um, or or compete best competing however you want to you want to kind of put it you know um, and i think that's what makes the tour exciting is that um, the most talented surfer doesn't always win
2: yeah and well, i've got interesting theory on that actually the world's
1: best coaches after the fact <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes yeah i mean look at look at jake um you, and my you guys chatted with him and, yeah and 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 micro um, yeah that that's competing you know that's sport the
0: other thing you mentioned there is that the most talented surfer doesn't always win. And, and I really struggle with that one because uh, I, you do have to have a certain level of, of strategy in your game to be at the top. But
1: guys that win the titles are the most talented in my eyes, is my point. Um, I just Yeah, for it. sure. And I, I guess I was more kind of talking about, you know, moments or hates, um, yeah. you know, I, I think. It, to your point, I think that's the validity of the tour and the format and the structure that we have is that the best surfers have, have won titles. And there might be people who you know, could point out a few people that they would say weren't the best surfer that year. But, I mean, having kind of lived and breathed, breathed it for the last two decades, I think you know, all those titles have been so thoroughly deserved by, by all the guys that have, have won in the yeah. last decade. For sure, that, and I think yeah. I'm
0: coming at it from the angle of, like, junior surfing, particularly, with like, large coaching groups and stuff like that. You see kids coming through, and I'm always trying to focus on... I think a lot of us coaches are the, at the top level, trying to focus on performance, because we all know at the top, top level, you have to be so good and smart, but I think you can kind of learn the second part, if that makes sense. You can't really learn to for surf sure. once you make the tour, I don't think.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me um you know you know I grew up with Sean Canstell, um yeah traveling and competing with Sean and we qualified in the same year and if Sean hadn't have been around I know I wouldn't be where I am today he to me um was probably the most talented surfer of our generation and even when I look at some of his clips from you know, the kind of years between say 2005 to say 2012, like his surfing still stands up today. Um, Mm. And in terms of talent, he had it in spades, but he didn't have the funnel to kind of put that talent um, on show every time he put a jersey on. Um, And I think that's, you know, the difference between people who make it and people that
2: don't, but, To that same point, like, if the best guys are ending up in that top five and world title situation at the end of the year, what is the point of making them go through basically what is, like, a slalom course of inferior surfers in the beginning of each event if the end result at the end of the year is going to be the same?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but I guess it's, like, it's you could apply that to any sport, right? Like, I mean, why do – you know, Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal have to beat the same, or not the same, but you know, essentially the same 121 other players for every Grand Slam for the last 10 years to, you know, meet each other in the semis. And I mean, oftentimes those, you know, matches are just as engaging as the as the final because it's like, well, this guy shouldn't lose, but hang on, this guy from Belarus has taken him to five sets and he might lose. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's that's sport, like, I think.
2: um, But that's also, like, financially viable sport, right? Like, the tennis tour is making money each of those days. It's not like they're basically, like, yeah. Sure. I think it's like, yeah, hey, no, it's no, like it's the funny. point of
0: validity earlier. Like, that's what validates the top five, that they do have to march through a, f- a few blokes to get or chicks to get to that point. So, I don't know. You kind of need what you're suggesting there is that, like, that you're only going to use the top five, Mikey, or <laughs> you're still going to have no, to surf I, against people that they're better or worse than.
2: Yeah. I think 12 is a reasonable number just for the simple fact that it would allow event in, in two days, which is maybe like, like A said, is this idealistic number. Um, but I think it's the the best option that we have just knowing how the ocean works. Um, so I don't know, there, there is no perfect answer, right? Like that's the truth of it. I'm just yeah. trying to think of a way that one allows competitive surfing to persist from a financial standpoint, because we want the WSL to succeed and carry on and yeah. be as engaging as possible when it is running and yeah yeah i mean i probably
1: just wouldn't call a tour with 12 or you know even 24 surfers necessarily a tour uh or competitive
2: surfing i'd call it more of an exhibition um but then is that true for like formula one like it's i don't know i guess it's kind of arbitrary the number in and of itself i'm not sure what the number is that makes it legitimate yeah yeah
1: I mean, I think what you're talking about, I think there's like a really great case for that as a format. Like as you've seen, um, I only caught a little bit of that kind of French rendezvous, but I think they were using the same format as the the event that we just surfed last week. Um, you know, and I think there's, there's a place for those type of events to live, you know, whether that's um, as like supplementary to the tour itself or as you know, something that happens at the end of the year with the best um, dozen men and the best dozen women. Um, I guess essentially that's what they're trying to do with the with the playoffs. Um, although it's, you know, a much, much smaller number. Um,
2: but I think that's going to be really exciting. Yep, I agree. I think the playoffs are great. I just, yeah, it's it's just hard. It's I, I don't even, you know, none of us really know what the WSL's financial situation is, nor if any of these changes we've proposed would actually ameliorate them. But it feels like something needs to change because the last five years haven't worked for them.
0: For sure. And on that ice, like, the format just gone at Cabarita, I mean, to me, seemed a little, in a sense, sort of pointless. Like, it's, we've always done, you know, three round one, three-mana, man-on-man on man after that. Like... In this downtime, like, I thought what the Brazilians did was kind of epic. They had a towing event, a night surfing, and, a, and something else is a bit more, like you say, of an exhibition. In this downtime, do you think, that, like, in Australia, we could be utilising that stuff a little bit more?
2: Yeah,
1: for sure. I definitely feel like maybe we missed a trick or two kind of over, you know, the winter with, with all the great waves. Um, and you know, there was opportunity there to probably capitalise on, you know, all, all the kind of great surfing that we saw up and down the coast um, and potentially use a couple of those different formats. I mean, growing up here, you know, in the club system, surfing tag team events has kind of been one of my great joys and like being part of that team environment, something you really miss on the tour. So I'd love to see more of that and, um you know, the, the national, the ABB, the Australian boardwriters ballot, the start of every year where you kind of surf for your club, you know, and you've got pretty much all the male CT surf, male and female CT surfers doing that is one of the most exciting days of the year for me. Um, so yeah, Great. I feel like there's definitely a, a kind of need for more of that um, in terms of kind of embracing different formats. Yeah. Well, the good, the good news is the
0: Americans are starting to catch up to us and we can finally have a World Cup of board riders.
2: Oh, uh, wouldn't that be fun?
0: It would be we, the sickest yeah, thing ever.
2: We're not catching up. At least not at from least, what I've at, seen.
0: At least you're starting. I can't believe Australians, we've been doing it for, I think, clubs are having their 50th anniversaries. Clubs like Snapper and, and Torquay and, and I'm sure there's others that I, I don't know of, but like, it's just baffling. Yeah, that no
2: yeah, yeah and like then the that. uh when the brazilians start their clubs up though we're all fucked so
0: right <laughs> right we've been doing it for that long bring it
2: <laughs> oh my god imagine that. oh if the boys from Mauritius sent like a crew of sticks down i reckon it would guys you never heard of would be doing full rotations <laughs> every single time you'd just be packing your bags yeah <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah, that might be true but it'd no, be my, great my It'd be great oldest daughter
1: just just asked me. She said, "Dad, I want to join board writers. So, um yeah, I I'm, yeah. I'm building a treehouse for my kids and I borrowed my neighbor's um my neighbor's drills cuz uh I'm a rookie tradesman.
2: Fuck, <laughs> oh. you're such a good guy. This is why everyone defends you in the comments. <laughs> Do they I haven't get to the comments. Oh my god. You were basic. I was just fucking thrown in the dirt by the commenters. And you were just, you were the messiah of the comments. You got way more positive support than John does. Stace, do you want to go through actually some of those comments from the site? Oh, you're driving. You can't, can
0: you? Nah, fuck it. I'll do it anyway.
2: He's going to get, he's going to get ticketed. I'll just invoice it to Birdie.
0: Um... Well, yeah, on that, I mean, getting back to the, the new messiah of StabMag.com comment section, Ace Buck, it was basically a, a 99% show of love for Ace, which is, is pretty, uh, pretty easy to see why. He's a, he's, a, he's a really likeable bloke, a fantastic surfer, and um, you know has the qualities you'd want to see in, in more people around the world. Mikey, on the other hand, don't really know where to start with young Mikey.
1: But um <laughs> Ace, did you get the chance to read any of those comments? Nah, mate. I I don't go there. I don't. I don't read the stab comments. Everyone says they don't read it, but uh, I, mean, I feel like you have to. Um. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, I've like probably. <laughs> I've seen seen a few over the years that weren't so complimentary, so I stopped. And uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> it takes a lot of it's willpower. Of I've gotten yeah. to a point of like full masochism when it comes to reading it. Like I have, I have to read them, and I just like yeah. all the hate just goes into me, and I don't, I don't know where it goes. I guess it comes out, when I talk about pro surfers,
0: yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I can, I can uh, dictate a few. Bench warmer. Out of all the dicks on tour, Ace is actually one of the nicest, most authentic people you'll ever meet. You've really got to be uh, a douche to offend him. Nice work, you twat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right.
2: <laughs> this oh, speaks volumes God. of Mikey's
0: right. character. Get fucks, C. Aramella, you woke little shit. <laughs> that was from... See,
1: see they, all, they, all have, they said it all for me. I didn't even have to say anything. <laughs> this is my favourite. I don't even know
0: what... Goth liquor. Who the fuck is this dumbass potato cunt anyway? <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: enough. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there, we,
0: there we go. Oh. So yeah, Ace, you're well oh. loved, mate. Across the board, in case you were wondering.
1: Oh yeah. no, nah, thanks, guys. It's not. <laughs> that's not why I did it.
0: <laughs> oh no, nah, but yeah, like I said, I think you, I think you raised a really interesting point at the start about about being critical, and there's there's ways to do it, and. I think, you know, it props to Mikey for owning up and, um, you know, we can all be, the, you know, bigger men and have a real chat about it and move on. I think if more people did this around the world, it would be a better place. So, yeah, we're setting good bench benchmarks here on uh, Cusp Podcast. So, yeah, it's been awesome to have you on, Ace. Um, Mikey, did you have anything else that you wanted to um, hit with Ace before we let him go?
2: Well, I just hope you know this. This doesn't mean that my uh, my criticism is going to to slow down, Ace. If you if you have a bad performance, it's it's still on. <laughs> oh, Please,
1: um, mate. I just want to know when you're gonna suit up and come and have a surf with all the CT boys and and maybe join us for a beer afterwards.
2: Oh, whenever I get the invite. Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I've been hiding in my little fucking cubby because I'm too scared to see all you guys. So uh, yeah. I thought so. <laughs> Mate, the invitation's
1: open.
0: I, <laughs> I'm I, sure you, I, there'll
1: be plenty of people that, have, that really want to see you.
0: Eight to ten feet, west, chopes, maybe crumbly, like, slightly onshore, like, for the trials that year when Hoggy got a ten. Something like that, I reckon, would just be perfect. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, actually, I did, I did want to finish with something on that. Like, um, Ace, do you ever feel like, and this is a, this is a theory I got from Evan Garzman, um, do you ever feel that in close heats over the years you've had a bit of a push because it's well known that you charge? Do you feel like charging holds um, merit even in the small stuff?
1: Well, I've never... No, I've never come across that theory or um, put any thought towards it. But um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like uh, yeah. I definitely wouldn't consider myself a charger in relation to, gosh, some of my friends and peers. I mean, I don't know. I got a lot of pretty gnarly slabs around the Central Coast and, yeah, definitely pulled back a few times this winter. So, <laughs> um, no, nah, look, I mean, there's been plenty of plenty of guys that made careers out of doing well, um, you know, purely at the Good Wave locations on tour. And, um, yeah, I think it's been pretty inspiring to see some of the, some of the surfing that gets done at those waves now, not just by a handful of the guys, but pretty much by everyone on tour. So I don't think, you know. Oh,
2: but you are one of the guys, like you're on my fantasy team every time you go to Chopes. <laughs> oh,
1: thank Thank you.
2: <laughs> like there, there's like a certain group of guys that just like really, really have it when it comes to surf like that. Like, I don't know, you think of like the Hobgoods, like, I don't know, there's, I swear, you can, like, it's like a look in people's eye, and you can just tell that they, like, they understand the waves, first of all, and then they want the waves that are, like, the the meaty ones, and there's, uh, to me, there's actually a clear divide in the tour of who those guys are, and you sit on the far positive side. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think maybe just, like, I guess I really
1: targeted spots like that um, as being, you know, places that, I I wanted to do well at but I also knew that you know I um you know had the talent and the ability to kind of excel in in conditions like that and I guess I'm lucky enough to have waves pretty similar to that in my backyard which you know I enjoy surfing um you know every year and have probably kept me pretty sharp for places like um Pipe and, and Tahiti and um you know Cloudbreak was obviously a favorite as well, so yeah, hopefully we can get more of those meaty meaty left and and some rights back on tour when we get restarted.
2: yeah, yeah that'll be keep in the, in the picture for another ten years yeah, yeah. exactly,
1: and i'll <laughs> I'll have to listen to your kind of commentary for the next ten years as well. <laughs> uh, it's all good, it's all good yeah keep keeps it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: no, nah, we definitely want you to keep talking, Mikey. Just make those paragraphs a little longer, mate. Stop going straight for the jugular. Mm, <laughs> yeah, I won't, yeah, I won't tell you how to do. I won't tell you how to do your job, mate. I should. I should really stay in my lane there. But Ace, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time, and uh, it was good to see you the other week. And uh, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, we cross paths a little more into uh, you know the twenty twenty one season, and um,
1: yeah, yeah everyone gets so. to watch
0: a lot more of you.
1: No, nah, thank you. Um, it's uh, it's been fun, and yeah, it's good to be actually talking and arguing about surfing again. <laughs> um, yeah, Mikey, I I forgot to say, I think you owe Matt McGilvray an apology too.
2: Ooh. Oh, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I don't know. Um, right? it's, how do you compare though? Like, I'm watching that same event as everyone. How do you put him and Ethan on the same? Like how are they in the final together? Just that's like you know what I mean? It's like John and Kolohe at Margaret River. It's like they're not in the same category.
0: Oh for here we sure. Go. This, is, mean, look, this, this, is, this is, is gonna be a whole nother fucking podcast here. I think H is his point pretty everyone fucking are, clear. If you're a smart you can make a, a few it. heats.
1: <laughs> yeah, mate. I think I think you'll be pretty surprised. Maddie's Maddie's a great, great surfer. Um, but Look, I don't think anyone was touching Ethan um, last week. I think the surfing he did was on another level. And um, I think everyone, you know, Maddie included, would be kind of happy to acknowledge that.
2: Yeah. I also, I guess I was just a little bit upset about that because I thought that Jack got kind of robbed in the semi as well. So then. Yeah. I could. Should have been directed more toward and... the judges, got put onto Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly Maybe exactly. Maybe
0: your gripe your gripe is with um your gripes with Pratamo, of which I invited him on, but he didn't, he didn't want to join us. But I know he's got a big horn for Ace, so he's gonna be listening to this one. <laughs> oh.
2: No, I think the judges do a pretty good job all up. I mean that that is truly that's an impossible job. Like genuinely impossible. Uh, it is. And they never get any thanks at all. So I try to limit my criticism to when they like truly, truly deserve it. But I think that Jack heat might've actually been one. Yeah, no, no,
1: I would have to say, I kind of agree with you there. I watched that um, kind of live and didn't, didn't really blink an eye to me. It was a clear make, but in that defense I will say they're pretty consistent or at least they have been over the last kind of couple of years in terms of what they kind of classify as a make and what they don't. So, um, whether or not you kind of agree with that is a different story, but um, yeah, I mean, to me, that would have been would have been a clear maker, would have been a keeper if you're calling it a clip. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank thanks, you, Ace. Thanks again, boys. No worries. Thanks for having me on, you guys, and um, yeah, looking forward to kind of watching you up your. Um, podcast
2: game and your um, your writing game, Mikey. Too. <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess it's only fair if I say I'm looking forward to you watch, watching you up your surfing game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the shots have been fired. <laughs>
1: oh, wow. Yeah, mate. Well, oh. well, mate. I won't get started on your surfing. We'll leave that for the next podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go here, we go. here we go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'll leave it there. All right,
0: <laughs> oh no, the fucking. I'm gonna make this heat happen, COVID or not. It's going down. I'm picking the spot. I'm the commissioner. It's, it's, it's on. Um, we'll throw Maddie in there as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, all right,
0: oh, all right, boys. Speak to you soon. Have a good one.
1: See you guys. Catch gotcha. up.